Get ready to unleash your inner fire with two badass ginger women who mean business. They're here to challenge the status quo and disrupt the traditional corporate world. Join them as they share their unfiltered thoughts and experiences on entrepreneurship, leadership, and navigating the business world as fierce redheads. From dealing with discrimination to harnessing the power of their unique personalities, they'll leave you feeling inspired and ready to conquer your own business ventures. So grab your headphones and let's ignite the world of business together. This is the Ginger Rage Podcast. Got a clap. One, Ready? On three. One, one two, two, three. three. What the fuck? It's All fine. Right. <laughs> Sorry. We'll figure it out. Um, welcome back. Episode seven? Question mark? Sarah? Question mark. Uh, seven feels right. Episode seven. Ginger Age podcast. Lucky Here seven. we are. I'm Courtney. Lucky seven. Lucky seven. I'm Courtney. Lucky seven. I'm Sarah. And today we have our very first special guest. And Woo. we would like to... Woo! Uh, today we are joined with Jen Iwanaki. Uh, Jen, tell us tell us about you, and then we'll um, we'll go back into what you were talking about because we thought it was great and decided sure. we needed to record sure. it. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm based. I live in New York City. I've been here for over 20 years. I moved here right out of college. A very thrilling time. It was September 1st, 2001, when my first lease started in New York. Whoop, whoop. And um, I've been here pretty much full time ever since, although I was in traditional consulting for a really long time. Um, God bless much you. Up until about 2019. And I travel every, you know, four days a week, kind of that old school road warrior type of thing. I was in many thrilling places, uh, Dayton, Ohio, Oof, uh, Wilmington, Delaware, scenic Dayton, <laughs> uh, Dallas, more times than I ever need to go to Dallas not not my favorite um did have some good ones i was in la for a while i was in london i got to move there for a year so i've had some really interesting journeys throughout my career but i've always been based in new york nice well Dayton, ohio the new yeah. york city yeah. of the months, midwest guys. no <laughs> in the new york city of the flyover state <laughs> Uh, well, welcome to the Ginger Age podcast. We were chatting before we hit record, and then we rudely interrupted Jen's story because we thought it was excellent. But Jen, please pick up where we sure. cut you off, or actually a little bit before. Please repeat yourself. Thank you in advance. Sure. Um, <laughs> I think I was just thinking a little bit about um, how much thing how things have changed over the last three years with the pandemic, and um, how every, there's been a lot of bleeding of, of boundaries and a lot of bleeding <laughs> of um, just just expectations, work-life balance, um, gotten into the, you know, the conversations around, oh, there's, you know, that faction of people that I'm not going to go back to an office ever again. Like you'll have to drag me kicking and screaming. That's me. And then, That's me too. <laughs> and I'm going to, and I'm the opposite because I live in New York and I live in a small apartment that was probably not ever set up to work from home permanently. And I'm very used to collaborating with people in person and, um, I, I have found it a struggle to continue to work in a work independently, remotely, like in perpetuity. Understandable. I just, I hate real pants. So. And bras. <laughs> bras are not for me. Uh, but I hear you because I, I did like going to the office. I mean, I met 
Courtney in an office. And <laughs> See, good things do come from offices. Very few things, but, you know, uh, I do miss that to some extent, but being being able to have that flexibility of being at home and running and throwing on a load of laundry or picking my kids up from school, uh, I can't go back now. And yeah. also, I've invested in stretchy pants, just too many pairs that it's too late, trapped <laughs> here. Yeah, Athleta has way too much of my money right now, so yeah. I, I hear that. I, I have to say, like, if I, Jen, you're in New York City, if I was somewhere where I didn't need to, like, sit in traffic and drive to an office, I probably mm-hmm. would go in mm-hmm. more frequently, especially if you two lovely ladies were there. Oh, totally. Um, that would be the delightful. People, the people make a difference. And I, and I think where the boundary has gotten a little blurred is that when you work with people in different time zones, there's sometimes a, a lack of respect about what time it is for somebody. I don't struggle with it as much. I think East Coast people tend to get a little spoiled on this, but I do see my colleagues on the West Coast kind of getting that blurred line of, sure, I'll join a 7 a.m. meeting. Oh, great. Let's have a 7 a.m. stand up every day for the next three months while we go live with this product. And I can see the toll that it starts to take on them because they also don't finish. It's not like they, they have like a shift schedule where they stop working early. Yep. They are continuing to work after well after I'm pretty much done. So I can see where that's definitely – I see it impact them a lot more than I think the East Coast folks. Yeah, my company is based on the West Coast. So I, I often – well, I will say that it's gotten a lot better, but I have meetings that will end at 6 p.m. And I'm like, sorry, I'm taking this from my walk to – pick up my kids or <laughs> I'm putting my laptop on my counter while I cook dinner. And I think a lot of people end up kind of doing that uh, for those types of meetings. So in that way, I guess there's been, it's a little bit more casual and people are willing to sort of accept that if you're going to have meetings that are 7 a.m. Pacific or 6 p.m. Eastern, at least in my company, they sort of understand that you'll be multitasking. But at, mm-hmm. to your point, Jen, it doesn't make my day shorter because I don't no. start at 10 because I went to 6.30 or 7. I still start at you know 8.30 when I sit down at my desk in my pajamas generally. <laughs> uh, and I yeah. mean, I, with, I, with a free coffee that you made at home, not the one you paid $6 for. So there's definitely like an economical saving. Oh, yeah. And will I drink the entire pot because it's there? You bet I will. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a multi-drink girly. I like. I need to have like my seltzer. Um, I have like a caffeinated noom. I think it's called water. New anyway, new water. <laughs> and then I also have a uh, coffee and ice water. I like to have mix it up. Yeah, my desk is an embarrassment at the end it's, of a day. It's very I, tech I like company, of you, Sarah. Yeah, the Thank food, you. the snack situation can be a problem. I mean, put that in the final, but like my snack situation can get a little weird. I love my (laughs) snack situation. (laughs) Um, I call them trashy charcuterie (laughs) and uh, (laughs) I throw a piece of cheese on there, a handful of nuts, whatever remnants of fruit (laughs) is in my fridge. An adult Lunchable. (laughs) An adult Lunchable. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Very very handfuls of like snacks that I have in my pantry, just like on a plate. <laughs> Popcorn, yeah. And I'm then you crack your breakfast. Is right oh, here. Like, and then that's I did. The depressing part about it is your. I think for me, this is the depressing part: is that 
I don't even have to get up to get a snack now. Like there's no <laughs> steps that I'm getting in. Like I can, I can sit at, I usually sit kind of facing the other way. I'm at my other desk right now, but I will go, I, I can reach my, if my door was hinged the other way, I actually could literally open the refrigerator. You were living the fucking up. dream, Jen. <laughs> I don't know. You don't even know it. <laughs> you don't even know what a dream you are living. <laughs> I, Terrible. Uh, I'm like, I, wait, can I put a fridge up here? Yeah, you could. I might. Nobody's <laughs> stopping you. No one's stopping me. Oh, God. Oh, it's, it's just Sarah's oh like, gosh. I need to like navigate <laughs> stairs, multiple sets. I'm like, like, listen, it's been real. This has been the Ginger Rage podcast. I've got to go buy myself a fridge for the third floor. Be right back. Uh, you know what? Um, just to pause in this conversation, though, I do love it. We should probably say why we're here. Oh. Why? Why yeah. the fuck are we here? Why the fuck are we here? Uh, today, so Jen and I have been chatting. She is actually the uh, the the catalyst for some of the glue work episodes. Some of that material came from Jen. So on, good, you know, it's a so, ragey it's, it's day so where she just like tossed that over the fence, and I was like, "Yes, I feel mm-hmm. this so deeply." Um, but we were having a conversation after we did our glue work, emotional labor episode. And uh, Jen brought up some really great topics about mentoring and what that means and why maybe women don't have them. And are we obligated as women to mentor and who are we obligated to mentor? And I thought, man, that sounds like a damn good episode. That's a a long, it's a lot of time. The more I think about it and then just segue back to the remote work, like, is it easier or harder to build a mentoring relationship when, you know, in a virtual environment, which yeah. I think it's, I think it's very, very challenging. And I'm starting yeah. to, I think my point of view is that I, I'm interested to see it. It's a weird, I'm not phrasing this very well. It's like a weird societal experiment, what we're doing right now to see if this idea of virtual working, which is great for certain aspects of life, I do wonder about the long-term tenability in business in businesses that are very relationship-driven. I was just reading about our Workday has a new CEO, and they were talking about kind of the transition. And these two gentlemen had worked together for years and years in person. And how do you build a trust? How do you know somebody's strengths and weaknesses? How do you how do you help them help coach them when you're not even on camera? you know, 50 to 60% of the time, because I don't even see the cameras on being as much of a thing anymore professionally. So how do you how do you do that? Because I would love to know, actually, I would, I'm open to ideas, because I find it yeah. difficult um, as somebody with, you know, over 20 years of professional experience, and almost always in person face to face. I'm finding it hard to pivot. And, and I don't know what people that want mentorship, like what they want out of that mentoring relationship, or how do you construct it? Just kind of, I think it's a good topic, partially because I hope to learn a little bit from you all about what's worked for you. Yeah, I love that. I it's funny. I talk to different people, and they have different views on the camera, no camera. I think that's a it's a really interesting uh, concept because at our company, it's like ninety percent camera on. Mm-hmm. Majority of people have camera, but I'm also in sales or sales adjacent, mm-hmm. and I think that the camera on. I mean, even a decade ago, we were talking about cameras on for an inside sales team because mm-hmm. it put a face 
to a cold call or a face to, or maybe not a cold call, but like a, a new intro call. And it became less about um, this like faceless corporation is calling me to try to sell me shit. And it became more of a, that personal relationship. And that was, like I said, that was over a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that was already part of the culture. So when we moved to this also, I would say a lot of salespeople, maybe you probably could say most sales salespeople are extroverts. I know I really struggled with the uh, with the pandemic being so isolated because I am an extrovert and woo, my husband did not struggle. I really <laughs> struggled. I'm like it's crawling out of my skin. Like I need yeah. to interact with people. I like signed up for every virtual cocktail hour, no matter how awkward they were. I signed up for every like virtual meeting where we'd have our cameras on. I could have some sort of personal connection. And so maybe that's what's made it a little bit easier because of the culture that I'm personally in is very cameras on and you can shoot the shit a lot easier. And I think you can build those relationships and then move into sort of that mentorship relationship because you're, you know, like talking like this, like if we were just on the phone and you couldn't see the fact that I have no ability to not talk with my hands and all over the place, I don't know, (laughs) having this makes it a little easier for me. I think I would have a much harder time like chit-chatting if it was just over a call. Though I will say Jen, like, so Jen and I used to work together. Jen was my coach. We didn't really have any problem. Like we didn't meet in person for a very long time. So I don't know if it's just a matter of like I, I, I don't have I don't have an inside voice. Like what you see, is, <laughs> what you see is what you get. <laughs> and I and I appreciate people with no inside voice. There's I don't, like I don't like the political. No, I, I like knowing no. what's going on. Like I guess I like half. I like the political side. That's like a little bit of like the the what's going on because I like to be in the know. But I don't. You know, I don't like the say one thing, do another. Like inconsistency that happens sometimes. And yeah. And, when you don't, you know, going, talking, getting into psychology a little bit, you think about like micro expressions. How do you, and in sales, I'm so curious too, because like you're trying to negotiate a deal and you, if you can't see any of the tells, like it's a lot easier to hide the tells, I think, you know, using a camera because it's not as sensitive as being in person and getting to yeah. see them and feel the energy, but at least you can kind of see what mm-hmm. their facial expression is doing, whether or not they've got a good poker face. I've been told I have none. So maybe cameras are not the best for me. <laughs> I've worked on that. <laughs> and you can also see when they start to lose interest. I know for me, you know, when that you see them drifting to their second screen yep. or you're like, ah, they look like they're reading something there or they look down at their cell phone. You can at least those things are there for that conversation. But you're right. It's not, it's still not the same. And we have this conversation a lot. I, I have a new boss talking about, you know, a new CEO at Workdates. I have a new boss and we haven't met in person. I feel like we're building a good rapport, but uh, it was one of the first things I said. I still haven't met even some of my team, my own team in person. And there's something about having an in-person relationship or a shared experience, even if it's just a shared experience of a boring fucking meeting. It's like you have that and then you can build. It's much easier and maybe much faster to build that relationship. I Yeah, it almost feels like this is still a little bit superficial and you're not really digging in. But I also am an oversharer. I talk too much and also don't have an inside voice. So that sounds maybe I don't not like you at all, Sarah. (laughs) Imposter. Yeah. And that is maybe why certain personalities are are doing better than others. And I and and I think that that's 
great. It works for me too, because same thing. I mean, Courtney, you and I got to know each other virtually for over a year before we finally met in person. And I've only really seen you like twice. It's true. Sad. <laughs> it like makes me sad, but I also have a very good sense of who you are. And like, I know you're also like there and present at any time, which is, which is interesting. But I, you know, that some people you can spend like weeks with and maybe not get a good sense of who they are or um, kind of know about their constancy, I guess is like a good, I like that word. Um, Consistency, constancy, trustworthiness, like all of those things Mm -hmm. are really important. And if you don't have that sense of that strong sense of self, and, and partially because if you're younger, you're figuring out who your work persona is. And so how do you get feedback on what that work persona is other than, you know, maybe it's negative feedback. Um, but when you're not, I, I learned by, I didn't know anything about consulting coming into consulting, just, I guess, to kind of back up my thought. I knew nothing about anything. I was a liberal arts major. I was an English major. I had had an internship. It was in IT. Um cool. I built a back office corporate intranet using like JavaScript and cascading style sheets and HTML and (laughs) what up 1999. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I got feedback from, from people about how to act in an office. Like, you know, what do you do at a company happy hour? Like, do you go for the shrimp cocktail right away or do you let somebody else get in there first? Like I say you always go for tackle. the shrimp cocktail right away. Yeah. <laughs> like, get out of snack. my way. This is That's mine now. Table. That's number one. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, you got to go for the shrimp cocktail. Absolutely. <laughs> and, but I did get feedback over the years and some of it I discounted. Some of it I thought wasn't coming from a constructive place, but it took a long time to kind of filter through all that and say, do I, do I care what this person thinks about me? Do I not care? Am I open to feedback from this person? Is it even okay to not accept feedback from this person? Or yeah. like all of those nuances are not things you learn in college. They're not really things you learn from your friends or your family. There are things that you learn in a professional environment. And when we take a, a group of 22 to 25 year olds, put them in an all virtual environment and say, welcome to, like, welcome to working. Mm-hmm. How do we how do we expect them to to kind of ramp up and, and be comfortable and know how to develop who they are and also make adjustments as needed in case they are in a place where they stick their foot in their mouth, which I know I've done a bunch of times. Welcome to my life, Jen. <laughs> Just constant foot in mouth. I, I think it's interesting. Like you talk about this whole work persona and like how do these kids develop a work persona? And I think they they take cues from the people who are above them, right? So if the people who are above them are open and real, I think what you end up finding is that work persona just slowly goes away and you just end up with the real person, which I do think is actually, like, I do think it's generational, right? Like mm-hmm. I think that all of us started in corporate America when things were very formal, right? Like you would never mm-hmm. be like the real Jen or the real Sarah or the real Courtney in at your job like you had your your work character and your work costume and you put it on and you go to work and Mm -hmm. like you did your thing and then like when work is done you met your friends and like you you were yourself again um and i think that at least from like you know a a, a, what gen y gen x perspective like at some point you're just like this is exhausting i'm not doing this anymore (laughs) um and i think that as as leadership and Gen X has like crept into leadership a little bit more, that's become a little bit more acceptable. And then 
for like Gen Z, right? Like millennials walk so Gen Z could run. Like they're just out there, like rocking, rocking it with their bad building selves. Building boundaries, like building they- boundaries, like going with vibes. <laughs> Yeah, and I, well, oh, and it's so face that finish your thought, but I'm just I, I want to hop on that point. No, I was gonna say, but I, I feel like they're far more willing to actively seek mentorship, far mm-hmm. more than I certainly ever would have, right? Um, they're just so much more willing to like go up to someone and say, like, hey, will you mentor me? Can I set up one-on-ones? Like, what can I do better? Um mm-hmm. Which is, it's really interesting to see. Like it, it is very, like as the generations progress, it is very interesting to see um, that happen, especially with like, it's and it's lovely to see with like the ladies of that generation, right? Where yeah. they're just like, let's do this. Like, yep. I want to be better. Tell me how I can be better. And mm-hmm. inside I'm like, why are you asking me? Like, <laughs> I'm not I an adult. What, is there an adultier adult around? <laughs> Oh shit, is it supposed to be me? (laughs) Oh god. (laughs) Just I wanna just with something you just said, and then we'll go back to the the mentorship thing. Do you guys feel like you're in a sandwich generation a little bit in the sense that we have like clients or, or folks that are still old school and expect things to be done in a certain way? And then you've got a team that is expressing their boundaries and expressing themselves. And those are not compatible still. Like there's still a lot of incompatibilities there. And, and so I, I feel that I'm constantly kind of re- sometimes reminding some of the younger folks that you're here to do the job. Like I, I get that it's a little bit past the time you want to be working, but there's like a due date. There's a client <laughs> asking for something, clients providing feedback to, to you about you that you might want to take into consideration. And so I find sometimes that I'm I'm here for the boundaries, but then there's times like I understand, but right now this thing is a thing that needs to occur and, and finding that right balance. I definitely feel like more of a bridge, right? Yeah, like this sort of like translator in between generations and kind of connecting those two groups of people, right? Where you can, mm-hmm. where like, I certainly identify Jen with you, right? Like we're not that different. Our experiences are not that different and folks in that that bracket. Uh, but I do, you know, see a little bit of myself in, in Gen Z as well and admire a lot of the things that they do, which rock on. Um, but I do find that, you know, when I see things happening from leaders who are older, that it's, uh, it's usually me who's like, Hey, like you might not want to phrase that that way. Like, this is how that messaging might be perceived. Like let's back that track, like the bus up a little bit. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so I do feel like, we're a little bit more of this like bridge generation. Yeah. I actually don't manage any Gen Zers yet. Um, so yeah, we're all, I mean, they're like millennials. They might be super young millennials, um, but they're still technically millennials. Um, when does millennial end? Like 1999, 2000. I mean, I feel like, I feel like Gen Z is like 20, 20, so 26 their maybe? Are really just no, I don't think so. 25? I think they're like 19. Okay. So no, they're no, like... they're they're older than that. They're they're definitely I, in the workforce. My brother was born in 1999. Okay. And he is so... like a Okay, so 1997 is your oh. Oh. Gen Z start. So yeah, no. Oh yeah, you were right. 26. The yep. oldest was like 25, 26. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
I'm kind of seeing it like in the under and 32 crowd, I guess. Is yeah. I kind I of am seeing a little bit more of the cut, like the little bit of the like, I, they're kind of like the Eltons from Clueless where they're like, hey, I left Elton. my Cranberry CD in the quad. Can I go get it? <laughs> hey, can I use the pass? Like a yeah. lot of like, oh, I had it like, you know, you call to check in. Oh, I had to go do this. Oh, I had to go do this. Maybe you don't want to tell your boss that like it's a little TMI. <laughs> Whereas I'm like, tell me, tell me what you just did. Like, tell me all the things. I, I don't um, know if I want to hear about the food poisoning. Yeah. Really. <laughs> <laughs> or your dog's food poisoning even better. <laughs> like, I don't know. Listen, like, I don't, don't tell Jen about your dog's po- food poisoning or yours. I am here for all of it. I, all of the gory <laughs> details. Like I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, don't tell me about your all of it. <laughs> that's so funny uh there was one i wanted to circle back to a, a much earlier point but jenny were saying so we started to talk about uh how you learned in the workplace mm-hmm. and that i think is really interesting because when i first started in software um you know i was in a sales pit you know like a bullpen there were a ton of people bells when deals got done or like we the were, gong we were yeah. we had a gong <laughs> In we had, lot. yeah, yeah, and we are all sitting all together in not cubicles like those half wall things, so we could uh-huh. all hear each other, we could see each other. There was a level of accountability uh, that you had to be on the phone because otherwise, what were you doing? You could be, you were just sitting there like a, like by yourself, like that would be very uncomfortable. So there was that kind of rigor around your day because there had to be because you didn't have anywhere to hide. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if you weren't at your desk, people knew it. If you weren't making calls, people knew it. But at the same time, that's kind of like the negative side of it. But the positive side is I heard so many ways, hundreds of ways to give a sales pitch. Mm-hmm. I heard hundreds of conversations daily. Um, and every, you know, for me, just learning the sales process for the first time and all of these things, I heard that every single day. And it also allowed for real-time feedback from my managers, from my peers who could just lean over and say, hey, so I heard you say this. That's not exactly how you should have said it. Or, hey, shit, I love how you said that. I'm going to take that for mine. Or like, oh, okay, good. I'm learning what's working, what's not. I'm also learning you know, what corporate life is like. Actually, this is a tiny bit off topic, but a funny story. I was in retail for a decade before moving to uh, software sales. And learning in retail, while incredibly valuable, I learned so many life lessons and just how to, you know, be an adult in a workplace sort of things. But, uh, you know, when you're in retail, you have to ask to go to the bathroom. You have to ask to do things because you can't just walk off the floor. Right. Um, And when I started in (laughs) software sales, I was sitting in a pod of desks. My manager sat directly across from me and it was... I. I think my first day, second day. And I was like, uh, hey, Courtney. Her name was Courtney. <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't, it wasn't this Courtney, a different <laughs> Courtney. Um, also an awesome leader. I learned so much from her. But anyway, she, I, um, I'm just going to run to the bathroom. And she was like, okay, <laughs> go ahead. And I was mortified realizing, oh, I can do these things on my own. I was, I still like have like waves of a little bit of embarrassment that I asked her if I could go to the bathroom on my like second day in software sales. But I learned a lot. 
Including Good thing you that don't I get embarrassed easily. Like, that's true. <laughs> it's, it takes a lot. It's like, I really remember going to the bathroom being like, oh my God, Sarah, what the fuck is wrong with you? You don't have to ask. You just go. No one gives a shit where you are ever. So just do what you need to do. Anyway. Unless you're gone for too long and then everyone wonders. Exactly. <laughs> then they do they wonder. Back. Yeah. But just or, to back. Or if yeah. you're in industry and, and they're gone for a while, you're like, are they getting coffee and they didn't ask me? <laughs> Are they getting Assholes. lunch? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And you did not ask me. Do you but, think? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, Sarah. I, just and I, I learned so much in that environment, and I sort of I, maybe I didn't seek out like true, you know, in the definition of mentors, but I had so many because I was watching and learning and meeting with people that I saw were successful. It was just much easier in a, an office setting to see that and take advantage of that. It does – you definitely have to be more purposeful with how you do that now if you're not mm-hmm. sitting in an office. Do you think that the move to remote work has made it far more important to find a mentor? And also, do you think that that is why Gen Z is maybe far more forthcoming and aggressive in seeking out mentors, like in the best way, like be aggressive, mm-hmm. be aggressive, Gen Z. Um, do you think that that is kind of pushing them to seek out that relationship because they don't have the experience of sitting in a in a bullpen with a bunch of salespeople, like learning and getting real-time feedback? I, for me, I, I could be a little bit of, I, I might be too far removed from that level right now where Maybe they're going to different folks for that. I'm not getting that kind of direct request for mentorship. I find that I'm kind of gravitating towards folks kind of at the manager, kind of like mid-career level more so. And that could just be the function of the role that I'm in and and the role that I play um, within my current job. Because I think, Courtney, in our previous iteration, it was definitely more, I definitely felt that. And I definitely felt it from both men and women. I, Mm -hmm. you know, was definitely not a a gender specific thing in it. And sometimes it would just be a brief little mentorship. It wasn't long-term, could be just based on one project, but I did feel like there was a little bit more of that happening. Um, I, I don't see it so much right now for me. And I guess that's partially why I wanted to talk about this because my experience so far right now is so limited to just basically my experience that I was curious to hear what what others were experiencing. Um, I would say for my, in my case, I had a lot of informal mentors. I don't know that I've truly, truly had like a female and especially female, like a Mm -hmm. female mentor that Mm -hmm. I felt very comfortable going to about and, and having an honest, transparent conversation that I felt comfortable having that and that it wouldn't go anywhere. Like if I didn't want it to get escalated or go something like be spread about, that it would be. I've had that relationship with male mentors, surprisingly. Well, maybe yeah. surprisingly or not surprisingly. That again could be anything. But well, I mean, there's more of them. It's a lot of men, and yeah. I, I yeah. have not had a lot of success. Um, I've wanted I think... that from a lot of the women that I've worked with that were senior to me, but I didn't. It didn't work out for whatever reason. Maybe personality, maybe a whole bunch of reasons. Um, but it, it just was never the case for me. Yeah, it's really interesting. I've actually had, you know, similar experiences. I haven't ever, uh, I had one session. I had, I was at a startup once that had a kind of formal mentoring, uh, I don't know how they like program that they put together. So I was matched with 
a leader on the team or on a, actually a different team from mine. He was my mentor for, we basically did like semesters or, so we had like a, you know, a semester of mentoring and that is the only official mentoring. I've had leadership training, but not, um, not in a mentor. Like I could go to him for anything that, that was kind of the one time I've had a ton of informal, but again, mostly by from men, which I truly appreciate. I mean, I mentioned it a bunch of times on this podcast, the different men who have made a really awesome impact in my career. They've been that listening ear. There are some that I still call today when I am struggling with something. Uh, I've been awesome. And, and maybe it's because there aren't as many, but there are a few women that I look up to and respect and I, I could email them. I could call them and say, hey, I'd love to bounce something around. It's not as comfortable because I don't have that relationship with them, but they would be, they're like wonderful people and I could do that. I think I tend to rely more on peers, peer women in my space, whether it be Courtney where, you know, calling her up being like, I had the worst fucking day. <laughs> Let me tell you about it. Oh, and, I do that too. Oh, oh yeah. I'm here for all of it. <laughs> and, you know, then there are, there are people on my team that I look to that, you know, are wonderful leaders, whether they report to me or not, are just good people to bounce around like work decision-making. Um, and then there are people, you know, in other departments that are also directors, senior directors, you know, my peers that I will go to. And there are lots of them are women and will bounce around ideas, but it's not really a mentorship. It's more like a brainstorming session. And I respect and love those. And they're so helpful for my day to day. But I have never had like true professional mentorship, uh, like on a consistent basis, though I see a lot of my male colleagues have hired career coaches or oh. have official mentorship that they do outside of my company. And I have never, I've never sought that out. I don't have a real reason for it. It never occurred to me, I guess. I mean, I've, I've a lot more, more, more work. It's like work <sighs> and then it's more work. Like, yeah. I, I, I like, my, yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can say like, I've, I've honestly never had any mentors. And I think some of this is Sarah, you're in sales, like mentoring is, an aspect of sales, right? Jen, you're in consulting before consulting. Like I had never had that like coach or mentor relationship, especially, you know, in procurement, you're in finance, like you're a cost center. Like there's no moving up here. Like you're just going to do your job and then probably go somewhere else. And I mean, I can also say like, I've had very few exceptional leaders, right? So it's like, I've never really seen someone whose style I admired so much that I wanted to be like, Hey, can, can you maybe mentor me? And also like mm -hmm. the level of just like self-awareness and fear of rejection to even have that conversation <laughs> yes. is so great. <laughs> yes. Especially as like younger Courtney, pre-33 Courtney. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 33 Jen is just for context. That's, that's the year that I really think that women start to like give less fucks about shit. Um, like that's the, that's that when it starts and then it's just, yeah, I felt like after 35 that I really was like, well, bring it. I, my villain era, <laughs> that what the kids are calling it now. That's where it took I took yeah. longer to get there. I'll be honest with you. I, but I also was a very, uh, I don't know. I, I'm a rule follower. Jenna's um, a rule so follower. It's been very, and, and Courtney knows this, it's taken me a long time to kind of 
walk past the rule following into the deep end of the pool. And just Jen, are you in your villain era now? Maybe. Just the trust, <laughs> get, trust this is the start. Kind of thing. It took me a long time to get there because I didn't feel like I, I was, I would suspect if this goes back years, I would suspect a certain outcome based on A, B, and C. And then I would try to kind of raise my hand and kind of get that, you know, the the whack-a-mole, just like, oh, go back in your corner, go do what you're hired, like, get out of here. Like, not getting a seat at the table. And so I kind of learned to just kind of like duck and cover and not have that seat at the table after, you know, you try a few times to advocate for yourself and you kind of get that, like, no, nah, like, go away. So you're like, okay. So I would start to just kind of within myself, be like, okay, I think this is what's going to happen. And then kind of inevitably be proven right. So I think my instincts are very good. It just took a long time for me to trust them because I wasn't encouraged. There wasn't that sidebar of like, of, of a, you know, a partner or somebody coming in and saying, Hey, you know, for, for whatever reason, we can't really say this, but I think you're right. Like, I think this is what the client's going to do, or I think this is the outcome but we're going to go down this path because that's what we have to go down and at least acknowledge that my concern is a certain a valid concern and say we're going to do it anyway because this is what we were hired to do but i think you're right i think this is what's going to happen um to not have that validation i guess is very it's hard to become successful in this type of business without that without that validation and i i know we say oh god validation is you know you shouldn't be seeking external validation that's verboten, but I think in this type of business where you don't know until you do it, you, you do need that validation. You do, do need to know that your instincts are correct. You do not need that feedback. I think that that feedback is really important. And I think like yeah. validation is so important to people feeling heard and understood. Yes. And if they feel heard and understood, then they're happier. Right. Like, I think that that's like that validation piece and that like hearing and understanding, like when companies talk about like, quote unquote, culture. Right. Like, that's the piece. Like, that's the secret sauce. Like, and it's yeah. as simple as that. Like, you don't need to do pizza parties. Nope. You don't you don't need to, like, give them fancy things, even though fancy things are appreciated. Mugs are nice. Um, I like hugs and mugs. Yeah. Like, we like swag. We like hugs and mugs. Hugs that's, and mugs. That's what we used to call change management, actually. That's what, when I was at Accenture years and years ago, they had, they had changed management, but they called it hugs and mugs. Um, I love that. And uh, yeah, I mean, money is also great, but even more important is making sure that people are validated, not just in making the decisions that they're going to make, but that their feelings are validated and that they feel heard. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that someone is far more likely to stay at a job where they have that support than one that they don't, but maybe get paid more, right? Yeah. Um, it, it does have a monetary value. I don't know what the number is, but there is a value to it, your network. With and, and a lot of that has to go with validation, um, feeling heard, feeling like you have a channel, even if it's a peer that also like you're not gaslight, so you're not gaslighting yourself. And I think this is another aspect of in office versus remote. When you're with a group of people, you're in a meeting and it's going off the rails. You guys can kind of all walk out of the meeting and be like, okay, that was, we're not crazy. That was totally different than what we went in trying to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And everyone kind of walks down and they're like, let's go get lunch and talk it over versus mm -hmm. you have a weird meeting in your apartment on zoom and you get off the call and you're like, I don't even know who to talk to about this. Like, like, <laughs> That's when you rely on like your side teams chat where yeah, you're you all like real time, like, like this is effed up, right? <laughs> yeah. 
can I tell you what just happened this meeting? And you, I know you weren't there, but can you tell me if I'm crazy? Um, and, and, you know, they weren't there, so they don't know. But and like, if they're your friend, they're going to be like, no, you're fine. But just, you don't have that. You kind of hang up, hang up the phone and, and kind of just look around and what <laughs> happened? <laughs> Is that, are we okay? I, know, I think I think the how I've combated that is that I have a couple of people I just call immediately like I'm calling you I I need to debrief off this yes. and if she is listening girl I'm sorry and also thank you <laughs> because uh that like that's the only way I can get through my day I'm like I, I need to call you and I need to I need to talk through what the fuck we just did and what just happened here so yeah, it, it is really interesting. I don't even know what to call it, like peer mentorship or just like, you know, I don't know. Shared reality, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Max has Max a lot. Matt, Max wants some he's got mentorship a lot and he to wants say, it now. And he's demanding. Like he will tell you what he wants. Um, yeah. I'm a big proponent of Jen, like on those calls, like when you're with your project team and you, you, you know that you just walked away from something that was wild, uh, quick, like team sidebar with like that group of people where you're just like, okay, did that just really happen? We had a call like this last week where we were just like on teams, like, are you guys hearing this? Like, this is insanity, right? And we're like, yes, this is definitely insane. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we circled up after just to commiserate because that's so important. And I think like that's, those are like the things that you can do in a remote space to sort of mimic like being in person. Like we'll turn our cameras on. It doesn't matter if I like have no makeup and my hair is sticking out and I'm wearing a hoodie. Like I'm like, you guys heard that, right? (laughs) See our last episode. But it also, it's like, which what is not posted like yet, my bad. Which is, yeah. oh, no, 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 it's like coming soon to a podcasting network near you. Uh, when but, Courtney gets her shit together and but, actually posts the podcast episodes. Please. <laughs> we have lives outside of this, surprisingly we enough. We do? It's on a, yeah, what? Uh, but I wonder if we are doing so much of this as women, because it sounds... <laughs> God bless that dog. God. I can love Max. <laughs> He is such the mascot of Ginger Rage podcast. He just brings it. I love it. Uh, but what I, I was going to say, well, I'll wait for, I'll wait for yeah. Courtney. Edit this part out. Thanks. Yeah, we're just gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna do like Mel. He is really fired up today. Hey, I'm fired up too. I got shit to say. No, so my thought, I wonder if we as women are replacing some of the more traditional mentorship with more community building because we haven't had that in our everyday. We haven't had... Max, I'm really onto something here. You are. Just keep talking. I can edit him out of my feed. This is going to be fun. You're right. It's going to be ridiculous. Um, If we're building these communities around ourselves, um, because we haven't had formal mentorship, and is this, and really ask the listeners, I don't know, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? I I personally think it's a good thing. I think uh, there's a lot of things that we missed, even pre-pandemic especially. (laughs) It was the finger. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the way you <laughs> Please use that as our clip for Instagram. I am going to die. Who are these people? <laughs> I can't. Hold on, everybody. All I can see was you in silence pointing at him. <laughs> oh, it was like with Monty, in Monty Python where they're hit, like banging a cat. <laughs> I can't. Max is joining we, the party. We would never get back on track. That was so funny. I, I need that to be a gift that you just that you just play over and over again. Oh my god, that was so uh, amazing. Y'all good from scene twenty four. Oh my god, that was incredible. That was so good. Okay, okay, yes, the community. So yes, okay, building community, building communities. So I think that um. I think that's actually something we've been missing for a while. And I think that there is this, I don't know. I don't have a really eloquent way to say it, but like we've been like, I don't know, every woman for herself maybe for too long that we have then struggled to find mentorship in the boomer generation for ourselves. I'm talking as elder millennials and, you know, Gen X. I'm late. Yeah, I'm very late Gen X. I'm... I'm, early, I'm I'm an elder millennial, and um, <laughs> please excuse me. He's, please he's keep protecting talking. Protecting your house. There's there's is. struggle busing happening all over the place here. Hold on, I am truly obsessed with it in every way, shape, and form. Yeah, but I, um, I, I but agree. Yeah. With, I, and I and maybe the question with Courtney when she goes back is like, is that enough? Like, can if these women are going to do that, like is that okay? Can we just do that and just call it so being role models and then just call it a day? Like, I don't want to go to like more networking events. I don't yes. want to spend more time brain space <laughs> with work. Yeah. So can we just set an, like, just by being ourselves, can we set an example, be available when people want to talk, but just mm-hmm. like through repetition, yes. just and accessibility just and learned experience and then sharing that learned experience because I don't think and not we we say this a lot but like not all boomer women not all mentors that we've had in our past of course there are so many amazing ones I've experienced them you know maybe we didn't have a formal relationship like that but it's been amazing I love being able to bounce off ideas off people who have had decades of experience right that being said there are many that I have not had that experience with, and that's not the manager I want to be. That's not the leader I want to be. I don't want to yeah. lead by fear. I don't want to not have a work-life balance because they don't have a work-life balance. That's not what I want. So I think in a way we've been forced to create this new community uh, and support each other because we're turning. We're going to be different leaders. We are going to be those that set boundaries, maybe not all the time. Maybe we're not great at it, but we're getting there. And, you know, maybe I, I don't know. I, I love befriending my team and like having these great relationships that last a lifetime. I mean, I think they matter. matter. I know everyone says, Oh, like the company will throw you away or like, you know, nobody says on their deathbed, they spent more time at work. But frankly, I met Courtney at work and here I am sitting as a guest on your podcast, which is super fun. And I've never gotten it. I've never done one before. So like, I'm getting to have this cool experience. And if I said, Oh, I don't want to make friends at work. I'd be shutting myself off to a lot of really interesting, great people. And like, really good experiences, really great life lessons. So like, 
why would I do that? And just trust that the person I meet at the bodega is yes. going to be my bestie. You know, when, when I've got somebody yeah. who's like a, who knows what I'm going through, is going through the same things, like we connect, we yeah. happen to work together. A kindred soul because, yeah. yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think, you know, if I had said I'm not going to make friends at work, um, I mean, Courtney has become in a very short time one of my closest friends. And I have, she's really I'm, good at that. She's so good at that. And I think when I was like, oh, I haven't met Jen yet, but I was like, I know she's going to be awesome because Courtney's awesome. And, and hooray, obviously you are. And I've met, you know, some of the people I talk to every single day are my colleagues and they have crossed that threshold into like being really good friends. You know, yeah. I have you know, direct reports that are really good friends. And if I were to ever get laid off or leave this job, um, those relationships last a long time. So I agree. Yeah. And I think that's what men have been doing for a long time, be, you know, <laughs> yes. via the golf club or this, you know, stake in sports. Yes. That's how they've done. That's what they've done. And maybe, you know, maybe the Gen X, the older Gen X boomer, like that cohort of women, I would, you know, it hasn't been a positive experience for me. And so maybe we just throw, you know, for me, maybe I'm just coming to a conclusion. I'm just going to throw the rule book, whatever the rule book was, I'm throwing it out the window. I'm because I'm not going to be in, you know, like a club that costs $5,000 a month to be or a year to be like in a networking for women. Yeah, and go to I these mean, events and go hear like Barbara Corcoran talk. Like, I don't, that's not, I don't healthy. want that. That's yeah, not I mean, unpopular have, opinion. I have nothing in common with her. Yeah. With her. I don't want to hang out with Barbara Corcoran. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she seems great. I'm sure she's wonderful. And I'm sure she has a lot of great life lessons. But, and I, I was going to say, like, I'm going to be airing out my dirty laundry. I hate reading leadership books, I hate it. I have not to say I haven't gleaned something from it. I'm a fiction girly. I have no interest in like after hours, like sitting in bed with a glass of wine, reading about leadership. I don't want that. I want this. I want to have conversations with kick-ass smart women that I can take who are living it that I can take into Monday. It's actually, so I, I'm in sales enablement. What I do, I train, I do a lot of coaching and training and I haven't throughout my career. And what I always try to think about when I do a training is what can you take and use on Monday? And that's what I can do here. Like Mm -hmm. if you're sharing an experience of what you have done, Jen, with your team, or maybe you had a difficult conversation with a direct report and then you share that with me, I can take that and use that on Monday. But I love those kinds of uh, and maybe that's just how I learn. I'm much more up to like having a conversation, really dig it and brainstorm together. That's how I like to learn. It's how I like to work. Yeah. So but the books are the books are hard because you're they're trying to appeal to like a broad audience and distill everything into like pithy lessons. But <laughs> yeah. the lesson is whatever you want to take out of the yes. listening to the experience. I think. Because Agreed. You could I could listen. You could tell me about something that's happening with you, and I can give you some advice or say some perspective and then you can say that doesn't really apply in this situation but okay or mm-hmm. that's great or mm, no I maybe I didn't maybe that's that's not a good fit and those are all valid responses but that doesn't mean that we didn't have a positive interaction yeah absolutely and and maybe it's something that six months two years down the road you're like oh I had the conversation with Jen and now I'm actually in a very similar situation that that advice does help. And none yeah. of that's ever, I don't think, ever lost. Um, yeah. 
We're going to throw out the rule book, Courtney. We're, we're gonna, yeah. I was going to say, I'm back for what I missed. I love it. I hate rules. Let we're it on fire. We're building community. So <laughs> we, were, we were just talking about, have we replaced traditional mentorship with community building? And is that a good thing? And my vote is, yeah. I think yeah. it's great. I would I say yes. This right here, I would take over a traditional business mentorship, buttoned up business mentorship any day of the week. I think this is so much more valuable and also enjoyable. And so much more chill. Yes. Yes. And like there's such a a level of self-awareness that you don't necessarily even need to worry about. Exactly. Um, I also got two uh, t-shirt slogans we're going to use for Oh, excellent. For merch? Um, Perfect. Yeah. Villain era and um, hugs and mugs. (laughs) I like that. I like that. (laughs) I mean, I feel like villain era could be like a uh, a collab with Taylor Swift. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, well, but I love Villanera. I'm going to chat. Oh, Perfect. Just, I'm going to give old Taylor Swift a call. Like, listen, we're building women's communities, Taylor. You get that. Or maybe we get the Indigo Girls. That's <sighs> Yeah. That's Have we discussed up. your Indigo Girls No, level? I feel like maybe we should. We could do that separately and then you can splice it however you want. Or, or like, we can just do it, like it right now. Organically. So Jen has – so obviously this is Ginger Rage. We are all about rage on Ginger Rage. And Jen has – I'm not rage Ginger because I actually look really cute with red hair, but I – That's right. I could see that. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> Jen has what she dubbed the Indigo Girls – levels of rage uh, yeah, for like those rage who are scale. old enough to get that. So Jen, tell us what that rage scale is. Sure. So this was, this kind of was one of those things that came to me in all at once in like a flash just rage. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a seven point scale um, starting with the Zen mode of uh, Indigo girls playing at the Lilith festival in 1994, which is really like your Nirvana uh, peak Indigo girls. Level one is your road trip playing Indigo girls, greatest hits. So having a sing along with your with your friends or by yourself or with your dog, what have you? <laughs> uh, level two, finding Indigo Girls debut album at a used CD store. So nice little pop of joy. Uh, level level three, which is neutral, is the Indigo Girls playing an acoustic set on Facebook, uh, which they did during the pandemic, and I felt like that I, was kind I of just my you're, you're like. Hey, <laughs> Like I feel seen in this moment. Thank you. <laughs> uh, then, then we have uh, next level starting to get a little ragey. Uh, Indigo girls writing a social justice warrior song. So like they're in their zone. They're still in, they're still in their space, but getting a little ragey about the social cause. Uh, next level, we're we're getting getting hot here. Uh, Indigo girls accidentally booked a gig at a sports bar. I'm a level uh, four at a sports bar, no matter what. If I walk into a sports bar, immediately level four. Immediately. And then <laughs> yeah, kind of like immediately. The, the highest level of rage is, is the Indigo Girls getting heckled by straight guys at a concert. Again, also, if I got heckled by Hashtag straight triggered. guys. Yeah, level six, immediate level six. Yeah, so so there there's an occasional, I think this started, and I, I think I told Courtney, I said to Tara, I'm like, I came up with this. This is how I feel about work these days. I'm pretty much like at a straight six and yes. uh i love it 
I, I love that. I, and I, I, think, my, I had to walk myself back down. There. I, I think it actually <laughs> speaks to our audience too. I feel like levels of rage via the Indigo Girls is um, is where it's at. And I, yeah. I love that. If we could, I'm open to matching to a song, like an actual Indigo Girls Ooh, song too. Like people I'm put open, it oh, in the comments. Put it in the comments. Yeah, into that level. And we can type that out. I'll send that to you and we can we can put it on the page too. Oh, yes. need for reference. I love that. Please. So <laughs> please tell us your, and if you have another, uh, uh, artists that you would like to use for levels of rage we're open to that oh you submit know them we, yes, please. we love indigo girls but we want to hear who who yeah who do you like to rage out to is there a taylor swift levels of rage let's have at it I we mean, can do that we can do yeah. that yep. i mean the first one to submit it you know maybe it gets on a t-shirt i don't know like, let's yeah. get crazy it like could be like a pink like there would be like a good pink oh, yeah. levels of rage oh she's everywhere right now mm-hmm. she's having her yeah. like she's having a moment a moment she's having a moment yeah and I'm Love here her. for it. Yes. I'm here for her. Yeah. I mean, hey, look, I'm happy to have all of my my 90s and 2000s, uh, 2000 people represent. I'm going to see Fall Out Boy this summer, guys, again. So it's all coming again. back around. Fall Out I mean, Boy is still touring? Question mark. They have a new album. Wow. All right. <laughs> Weird animal. I don't know. If you looked at, um, at, at the like list of Boston Calling uh, bands. Uh, like, Alanis oh, is going to be there. I know. I know. I'm like, I thought, oh yes. my god, this is why it's a daytime concert. <laughs> you no, ought no to know. Show up, Alanis Morris at levels of rage. Yeah. <laughs> Are you at a minute. you ought to know <laughs> level? Have a Zen moment though. Is there? Yeah, I think she. I think she does. I maybe not on Jagged Little Pill, but I do think later she has some Zen moments that we could certainly. Jagged Little Pill is a straight six whole time, (laughs) whole album. (laughs) Is that saved in my car? Do I blast that when I'm like really pissed off? Yeah, you bet I do. Yeah, absolutely. Heaven help whoever passes me in the car. Just people must think I'm. If they saw me on my my drive down to. For, to North Carolina for Christmas this year, they must all thought I was absolutely insane. And you I know what? That. I don't I care. I lost my voice halfway through. I think I got to Richmond. Like, <laughs> that sounds like a great. That sounds like a great ride. Like <laughs> it's so good. I think that you're winning if yeah. you lose your voice on a road trip. Yeah, I'm just singing too loudly. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what do you think, ladies? Have we covered this subject? Is there do any final thoughts? <laughs> absolutely. Any final thoughts, words, considerations for the listeners? Find I mean, your I think, people. I think we all have to find what's right. What's right for us. I think you know it's yeah. it's really just like the the work from home, the work remote, the hybrid. I think is really job dependent and life situation dependent. And I think we should all be. You know, I, I hate seeing these debates about you know one versus the other. I think we should just find a way for it to work however is necessary knowing that it can change over time too like you know things your life situation can change so that flexibility is great i think we should support each other and the same way with with mentorship i think the community building aspect also makes it less about oh you know just a woman di thing like you can <laughs> yeah be mentoring anybody like you can build community yeah. with anybody and everybody that and i think you should and I, yeah so many different uh, viewpoints to gain from a community mm-hmm. of mentors. And so, yeah, I guess the that's maybe our our theme is find your mentor community, you know, whatever that looks like for you and how better, however that best serves you as a woman in corporate America. But I mean, the more varied, the better, right? Because I think that's Absolutely. part of like the issue that we have now is that 
leadership is very homogenous and there aren't a lot of voices at the table. And I think that's a problem because then men make decisions that lead to Silicon Valley Bank. Mm. Among and other it, things. And it, <laughs> you know, it, uh, the thought too, I mean, you can look a little different, but if you kind of have the same background, you're going to all yeah. think the same way. So yep. it's not even really, yeah. you know, about the demographic of, of the, it's the kind of the group think yes. aspect mm-hmm. of it. And it, it's, it's okay to, you know, to, to, foster other opinions and it could be hey i hear you and that's a really great opinion this is direction we're going to go in but that just goes back to the whole validation and being heard like you can raise your hand and say hey what if we did it this way and they say that's great we thought about it but that's yeah probably that's not going to work for this reason but you you close that loop and that way it's a safe conversation is is positive even if your idea isn't taken it's still don't stop suggesting yeah yep and I yeah. would say, if there are people who think differently than you, like seek that out, like yes. seek to understand, right? Like Absolutely. you don't ever have to agree on everything, but man, it's nice to have someone in your yeah. community that's thinking about things differently that might cause you to pause for a moment and think about things in a different way. Absolutely. Um, great. great. Do we have Good a, episode. Jen, do we have a women owned business that you want to feature? Um. If, if not, it's fine. Time. We're featuring the Indigo Girls this, this uh, yeah, we're featuring episode. The Indigo Girls. The Indigo we're, we're, Girls. We're featuring, we're featuring any artist that performed at like the Lilith Festival in the 90s, I think. Yeah. Uh, for <laughs> those of you who are not familiar with the Indigo Girls, I would encourage you to go find them, www.indigogirls.com. Um, we're potentially all over our Instagram for uh, this episode. <laughs> Uh, find them on Instagram, find them on the socials and, uh, tell us they're on tour, find them on tour, uh, and tell us (laughs) what songs you think deserve to be on the Indigo Girls, uh, rage, rage scale. And as usual, rate, review and subscribe. That's how we get followers and we keep doing this, which we're really liking. So if you guys could just smash that follow People are like, you're really liking it. We're not. Thanks. Tough luck. <laughs> Can't get rid of rage that easily. And that uh, is it for us. Thank you so much, Jen. This thank you, awesome. Jen, for joining Thanks us for on the Ginger Rage Podcast. This was super fun. Um, come back and join us whenever. Yeah. All right. Love to have you. All right. All right. Do do bye, people. Bye. Like what you hear? Be sure to follow along for more Ginger Rage. We'll catch you in the next episode.